welcome to Alphabet Flight, an encyclopedic Marvel journey where I go through the official handbook of the Marvel Universe with the guests and we talk about all the characters we know and love and have forgotten as well. My name is Jesse Cooper and with me today is Jeff Kowalski. Hello, comics heads. How are you? Uh, I can't hear you answering because you're listening at a later time. This is a recording. Uh, so today we are talking about the Mad Thinker. You know anything about the Mad Thinker? I confuse him with The Thinker, who is a DC villain and was on The Flash in Season 4. Um, I think that he was... He's he's one of those little uh, Fantastic Four villains who's like a, a crazy-looking guy in a green jumpsuit. Yeah. Pretty much. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's what I know about him, is he's a crazy-looking guy in a green jumpsuit. Well... Well, okay, sorry, I forgot to announce. This is the second-to-last episode of the Mad Menagerie I have in the Mad Fortnite. So, yep. um, but, the Mad Thinker. So, as a Comic Vine puts it, a scientist who believes in predicting the future with math. I don't... Uh, sure. That describes someone who thinks madly, I guess. Yeah. He's he's one of these incredibly lazy um, Jack Kirby designs. I'm I'm looking at pictures of him now, and you could tell me that this was uh, maskless do- maskless Doctor Doom or goggleless Mole Man, and I would believe you. What? Why not both? Use both of those. <laughs> yeah, he's all of God. I don't want to get into how many different characters Doctor Doom is. Oh wait, you mean all of Kang? <laughs> yeah, I think they. Uh, I think they recently reaffirmed the uh, retcon where Doctor Doom is a form of Kang the Conqueror. Yeah, and then there's also Iron Lad, which oh my god, I don't want to talk about Kang. I've he hurts my brain and he makes no sense. Yeah, the reason why Kang has not yet shown up in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, aside from the fact that they have yet to introduce time travel, is because he is. Uh, Doctor Doom, canonically. Well, I think, I mean, they could probably get away with doing a Kang thing, but I st- it might be under Fantastic Four. No, I think no, his, it's Fantastic I think, Four. Yeah, yeah, because he was he showed first up as yeah. uh, King Ramatut. Yeah, because of all of the because of Immortus and Doom, Kang ends up tied in with the doc, uh, with the Fantastic Four rights, despite being an Avengers villain initially. Oh, crap. Well, I mean, that's another reason I think we should get Fantastic Four. Right, so back over to Marvel. I mean, they have it as long as the Disney Fox sale doesn't get uh, declined by the government. Yeah, as long as it doesn't. I mean, I'd be because, like, honestly, I kind of want. I want the way they're doing the movies now, which, like them or not, I feel like they're going in an interesting direction because they're more willing to go into different time periods now. Starting with, um, yeah, with the uh, Captain Marvel being a '90s yeah, movie, that's gonna be weird. I would really like because they already mentioned that uh, that Hank Pym was a big spy in the '60s and '70s. Yeah, I would love to see a period piece uh, movie, but I, I don't think they. Uh, will. I would love to see like the like Fantastic Four in the '60s. Yeah, that's what I want. And then they disappear into the uh, negative zone and come back in uh, 2020 or whatever. No, I'm talking as the Fantastic Four as a comic book. 
I feel like, is it needed, really? It's the world's greatest comic magazine, Jesse. It says so right on the cover. But, okay, so, but I just feel like the the idea of the Fantastic Four was a very early superheroes thing. And I feel like superheroes nowadays, the superhero comics nowadays can't really support that tone easily. Unless you have a really great writer. And I will argue that there's only been a few good Fantastic Four writers. Because it's been spent more time in trouble than it has been, like, doing great. Mm, that Wade Waringo run in the early 2000s is pretty great. Uh, and then the Hickman run is pretty great, yes, too. Yes, but, but there's, like, a whole stretches, like, multiple decades of it doing, like, kind of badly. Yeah, the nineties. The nineties were a dire time for Marvel comics. Yeah, in but general. like, I mean, like after like the mid seventies through most of the eighties, it was pretty much just like, "Hey, Kirby, Lee Kirby, yay, woo!" And they're just rehashing the same stuff over and over again. And the reason why is I don't think you, I don't think of they're not good as superheroes, but yeah, you wanna you wanna do like a super science explorers thing with them, which uh, not a lot of writers bother and you, with. And it's and unless you get the right writer, you're not gonna really be able to do that. And also, I feel like I would watch I, I would watch a Fantastic Four movie that didn't have a villain in it. Yes, there I said it. Well, yeah, well okay, so I feel like the Fantastic Four has like some of the best villains in the Marvel universe. Um, yeah, uh, not Mad Thinker. Not Mad Thinker, who, kind of who we're going to talk about at some point. But um, it's more um, like it would be cool to have like a explore, like a more exploration character thing um, with them. But I feel like the characters, though the the villains, would be fit perfectly, and the villains fit perfectly with uh, superhero stuff. Yeah, they're very hammy 60s over the top villains. Uh, Mole Man and Doctor Doom and Mad Thinker are all like pontificating, mustache, mustache twirling, like very good super genius villains. And I, I think that they're fun. Yeah, and it would, honestly, I think Fantastic Four would do better as like a, uh, as a uh, show than a movie, honestly. Yeah, Fantastic Four has had a lot of success as cartoon series. Uh, there was a 90s one that I think people have nostalgia for, and there was a, uh, like, early to mid-2000s Cartoon Network series. Yeah, it was, actually, I kind of like that one. Yeah, that's a lot, that's, I think most people's opinion on that one is, hey, I kind of liked that, or I didn't know it no, existed. it's a, it's a, I kind of like, it was just like, you know, if it went on longer, it probably would have turned into something great. Just like, yeah. just like how, uh, the Teen Titans show, like, it was just like, eh. For a little bit, and then it turned out to be great, because it had enough time to find its footing. Yeah. They also did that weird thing where every other episode was comedic. Like, they would they would trade off. It would be a comedic one, uh, would have the English language uh, theme song, and then a, uh, a serious one would have the Japanese language theme song. Yeah, sung by High oh, well, high, high Puffy Ami, well, Puffy Ami Yumi, and then they had that wonderful show called High High Puffy Ami Yumi Show. Which I also liked. They had to go by Puffy Amiyumi in the United States because their the name of their band in Japan is just Puffy, and that is a trademark of uh, Sean Combs, the Puff Daddy, uh, currently, who I believe has to go by still P. Diddy in the UK because there's a children's artist named Diddy. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that's... That's a 
fun, complicated thing where this children's artist Diddy and uh, this rap man Puffy uh, both kind of snaked this Japanese band Puffy. Uh, I don't know why I know about all of that. I just do. Basically, Fantastic Four would be great if it was set in the 60s, but if you set it in the modern day, I don't think it really fits. Okay. Yeah, I think they should do uh what it's what is it? Uh Captain America First Avenger thing where like they get lost in time somehow and come back in the well, modern you, day after doing like, a sixties. What would be really cool, like honestly, I think would be if they did do Fantastic Four movies, Marvel did. Have it set when like um have it set with the early superhero stuff with like with like the uh, Hank Pym with and uh, stuff. Hank yeah Hank and like and, all and that. you can yeah. fill out that the fill out that side of the universe because like honestly we have yeah you can get a uh, you can get Dominic Cooper and um, Haley Atwell back as uh, Howard Stark and Agent and Carter and then like you can get like you can do so many really cool things and also you can do the more hammier villains as well and make it like have, like have it like a sixty set like Fantastic Four movie. Where they're fighting like something, someone like the Mad Thinker or something like that, which we should talk about now. Okay, so Mad Thinker, guess what his real name is? Ah, oh, boy, I was reading the Wikipedia page and still don't know what his real Unrevealed. name is. Unrevealed. Yeah. Oh wow. So, um, someone knows it. It's just unrevealed. It's probably the Mad Thinker knows it probably. <laughs> Uh, his first it, apparently his first name was revealed to be Julius in Infamous Iron Man number two. Oh, that was so that was that's the only f- like reveal of his personal history that has ever been made in comics. So, um, he used to go by Doctor Jose Santani, but that's not his real name. Well, apparently, his identity is known to the police. So, like, the police knows his name. That's weird. (laughs) Uh, So he is, he was a occasional partner of the Puppet Master and former partner of Egghead. Also, great character to explore with uh, Hank Pym. Just Eggman, like in the 60s. Egghead. Yeah. Like, you know, he's... I don't, I don't know what they're, would they cast, do you think they would cast a uh, young Hank Pym? Does, uh, does what's-his-face, um... Michael, the guy actor, uh, God, uh, I don't know why I can't think of his Michael name. Douglas? I'm having to Google Michael Douglas. He has some uh, grandkids who could play a younger version well, of him. Honestly, right? you just need a like a kind of square jawed short guy. Really, that's white. Yeah, that's true. Like you don't really need because like they only uh-huh. shown him as old and as. Not as old, like a, like nineteen eighty eight. I think was the flashback. So like you, so, can, you can get just like, about <laughs> anyone for that. That was a little weird because like we know what Michael Douglas looked like in the eighties, and they did not nail it. Well, it was good uh, enough. That's but, all they needed to do. But they totally nailed it with um Iron Man. Uh, oh. what's his face? Uh, no, the Guardians of the Galaxy two. Um, Kurt Douglas. Kurt. Wait, no, Court. No, Court. Is he- no, why is it Douglas again? Kurt, uh, Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell. Yeah, totally nailed it uh, with yeah. him. But uh, speaking of, um, we need we need more campy superhero stuff, and I feel like we are at the point where where superhero is a genre more than than the subgenre. Let's do more campy stuff as well. But you know, 
So whatever. Yeah, yeah. I want to say I really worry that New Mutants got delayed by about a year for reshoots because I think they're going to make it more of a superhero movie and less of a like psychological horror that's movie. That's what I want. I need. We need to do more genre pieces within with superheroes because it's going to burst. Uh, the bubble's going to burst if we don't. Like I feel like we make we are making strides towards it. We're. Yeah, that's why Thor Ragnarok succeeded, because it is mostly, uh, like, buddy comedy, and why Black Panther succeeded, because it's mostly a, like, politically aware, uh, like, family drama. Yeah, Um, and I think that's why Winter Soldier succeeded, because it's basically an espionage movie. And there's very little superheroing in some of these uh, more successful Marvel movies. And the reason Deadpool succeeded is because it's a comedy. And the reason Logan succeeded is because it's a deconstructionist, character-driven drama. Like, uh, they they need to do more. Uh, they need to do more genre stuff. And because that's what comics do. Like, there's plenty of yeah. Th- like the comics, like half the time are only superhero stuff. Even within Marvel and stuff like half the time it's like a soap opera or something or like a heist thing or whatever yeah the uh, like x-men comics are very soap opera-esque and it's very it's very weird that the movies uh besides those first two uh rarely touch on that aspect who would you cast as mad thinker in a movie Keep in mind, he is maybe a Latino gentleman based on his alias and his um, often tan uh, appearance in comic See, books. If, if, if he was a white person, I would say Stephen Root, because I love him. Stephen Root <laughs> is amazing, and he's one of the only... Uh, he's like I was thinking about like what person, like celebrity, I would like legitimately be sad about if I heard they died suddenly. Steven Root is like I think number two on that list because I love. Him. I'm gonna go. F- I'm gonna go with Javier Bardem. Harvey, oh, Javier! I'm sorry to. I'm sorry to cast him as a villain again, but I'm looking at this like long-haired, wide-faced guy, and I'm like, oh, this is Javier, Javier Bardem. Yeah, Javier Bardem. Um, I would also say, uh, hmm, who am I thinking of? I have to look at a list of actors because I'm so bad at this. But Javier is pretty good. Uh. I was thinking we want big name Latino actor in the role Oscar Isaac, but I don't want to waste him on this uh, crummy villain. Yeah, I want to get him in a good role for the Marvel Universe, which I'm sure is coming up. I want him to replace a white dude anyway. Oh yeah, because you can get away with that, because racists don't know, because he changed his name. Yeah, because racists don't understand how Hispanic works. I don't know. I would almost I would almost have him be like I would want him to be like a really good like nobody care like character actor who is um who is Hispanic. He, he did an okay job as Apocalypse, but they did not computer him to be taller, which is weird because Apocalypse is supposed to be like Hulk size and he's standing next to other mutants who are on his team that are taller than him and it's very weird. <laughs> The the origin is not really known, which is interesting. We don't have that a lot in um, in comic books. Like usually, the origins get like extremely um, mined for a story. Well, you know what? They don't do that for one off character. Well, supposedly one off characters that they just needed a person to be the villain for the week because they couldn't think of anything. Which Jack uh. Kirby and Stan Lee was famously. 
put a lot into the world. Psycho Man, uh, Hate Monger. Uh, I'm trying to think of all of, like the characters that are supposed. To- oh, there's been like five Hate Mongers. I like Hate Monger because he's extremely punchable. I, okay, I like Hate Monger as a as a villain. Um, I don't I don't like the time that Hate Monger was for some reason a clone I, of Hitler, which I think was the original Hate Monger. Well, I, well, I'll get into Hate Monger at some point because he is definitely in one of these books. I think no, he's not because H is before K. And we're, and we're on, on M. M. Crap! I want to talk about Hate Monger. I have things to say about him, but like, there's tons <laughs> of like, there's tons of like characters that Kirby just decided to draw, mostly like green and with purple helmets, um, uh, oh. like where it's just one-off characters. Well, supposedly one-off characters that sometimes he brings back whenever he needs to do something in between, uh, like a Galactus story before he left. But uh, yeah. Mad Thinker is one of those. Um, so, and normally whenever you have the origin of the Mad Thinker is unknown, it's one of those characters where it's just like, I don't really care about this person. We just need a character. Uh, the the ultimate Mad Thinker was a girl named Rana Burchill, who was uh, just part of the like think tank of young geniuses. And uh, so, he led an extraordinary, su- extraordinarily successful crimin- criminal career without the police ever learning he was a criminal. And also, if uh, aided by his advanced computers, he could predict the probable courses of events virtually down to the smallest details and used his knowledge of planning in his crimes. Does it talk about all his robots in there, well, too? we're going to talk about something later. Th- eventually, the thinker met with one of the many country's leading crime bosses to tell them about it, of his plan to seize control of New York City and turn it into an independent nation with himself as the ruler. <laughs> yes. Yep. That, that classic Dr. Horrible uh, uh, plan, anarchy that I run. Yep. And I love that plan. It is a very hammy plan. The crime bosses would serve to enforce his rule, to rid himself of probable opposition of the Fantastic Four, who was the only New York City-based crime, I mean, city-based superhuman uh, crime fighters. This was in the 60s, so so it was before, oh, it was right, before yeah. New York became virtually both the most dangerous and safest place to live. It was before Spider-Man and the Avengers. And every other tiny z-lister yeah all those gritty 70s heroes your daredevils and whatnot oh oh i forgot to say he first showed up in fantastic four number 15 um the mad thinker and his awesome android in 1963 june 1963 yeah that's pretty early one of those early villains he he didn't really stick like uh the other ones did but you know that's i want to look at the list of issues if i can because when what when was uh spider-man appears in a fantastic four issue uh like right after amazing fantasy 15 doesn't he amazing fantasy 15 would be around the time he would start showing up so mad thinker might predate might actually predate (laughs) spider-man he wanted to make an independent nation i wonder what he would call it I don't know if it, it doesn't say in here, but, um, yeah. Uh, so he arranged for each team of the team members of Fantastic Four, a highly attractive job 
one of them gets a, uh, a well-paying middle management position where they get an office. Then uh, the team for uh, the the Fantastic Four accepted their offers because at this time they were worried about paying rent. Okay, so he they just like took day jobs. They took jobs. Yeah, yeah, they just took jobs. <laughs> and uh, while they were out of the Baxter Building, um, he he and his allies uh, took over it and gained access to. Gain access to the knowledge and equipment of the Fantastic Four leaders Reed Richards uh, stuff. And uh, then he used that to construct the first of his superhuman androids. Then uh, when the Fantastic Four returned, the Thinker used the androids and Richards' own weaponry to battle them. Then Richards defeated him by being an alpha science bro. Who knew everything and was perfect because Stan Lee was writing him. By the way, as you could probably, if you've listened throughout the issues, I hate Mr. Fantastic. He's an alpha science bro, and he sucks. To this day, he sucks. I like when I like when they explore uh, how he's bad. Um, when like they just they take his character as it's been written since 1961, like on its face. And establish, like, here's how the normal people around him would react to a person like this. I, I love it when they show, like, all it takes is him having one bad day and that he becomes a supervillain because he actually kind of is. Because he causes so much issue, so many issues in the universe. And when they start encountering alternate universe reads, almost every single one of them is a despot or villain of some kind. And, like, literally, they're one of the only reasons he's not, like, with Doctor Doom in Latveria. The early Doctor Doom in Latveria trying to take over the world is because he happens to have a wife that's actually pretty cool who was not a person until the 80s. Yep. Uh, oh, and um, there actually is currently in continuity an evil Reed. Ultimate Reed Richards is still around. Oh, I yeah, keep forgetting. Uh, the maker, Ultimate Reed Richards, is actually my favorite Reed Richards because they took Reed Richards as, the, as he was portrayed in the comics, so it modernized him, and about four years, I want to say, and uh, he becomes a villain, because he's just like, this world is flawed, and I want to make a perfect world, and then he became, basically drove himself insane with perfection, and... He, um, I think he's, like, a thousand years old because of living in that, like, uh, weird hyper, hyper time uh globe city that he built it's very weird especially because the initial concept was boy genius uh reed richards and um yeah so reed richards you can hope you stay in that dimension forever but dimension hopping by yourself but sue and your awesome family gets to stay but not you you lose them forever no, he'll be evil if that happens. Sue and the kids have to stick around, and then Ben and Johnny just get to be X-Men and Guardians of the Galaxies. But they're so much better at that. Come on. Mm, okay, okay. Well, right now, Chip Zdarsky is writing Marvel 2-in-1, starting starring Thing and Human Torch, and it's uh, the first story arc is called The Search for the Fantastic Four. So, uh, And now that Disney is buying Fox Entertainment, um, that probably means that Ike Perlmutter will no longer say you can't publish Fantastic Four comics. 
Okay, so then he gets his butt beat a million and a half times because he's not as smart as Reed Richards because no one's smarter than Reed Richards. He's the smartest person in the world. Wow, look how smart he is. He knows everything. I hate him so much. <sighs> okay. Oh, here's a really funny uh, typo. I see. So he's 5'11", but the 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 one little mark beside the five is actually a copyright sign. So he's copywritten five eleven inches. <laughs> <laughs> it's very weird because he's drawn as really stocky, but he's tall, I guess. Well, t- he's like actually more average height. I think we're just both short. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> like it's more like he's average height, but we're short enough that that seems tall. But he's given like the promo- the proportions of Mole Man, who is actually very I mean, small. You- so it's strange that he's like almost six feet tall. Well, I mean, you've you've seen those like really tall, stocky people. Yeah, I guess. Also, he just has like a loose fitting jumpsuit on, and Jack Kirby can only draw one body type, so those are also problems. <laughs> well, Jack Kirby can't can't draw anything now because he's dead. But well, yeah, that's it's unfortunate, I guess. But. So, uh, he is uh, 215 uh, pounds, which I feel is a pretty good amount. Of- yeah, considering he's almost six feet tall, that makes yeah. sense. He has blue eyes and brown hair, and uh, he possesses the strength of a man his age, um, age, height, and build, who engages in no regular exercise. Your handbook gives all of the, like, stats for people who have superpowers even if they they don't have superpowers. Yep. Um his ability is he's really smart. I mean, yeah, that is that there's a lot of characters, heroes and villains whose only superpower is that they are smarter than any person in the real world ever has been or ever could be. Okay, so here here's a fun sentence. The mad thinker's brain is like an organic computer. Like everyone's brains. Yeah, that's how brains are. By programming are. it with a rele- all relevant, uh, all the relevant data, he's able to mentally calculate events, uh, events, uh, probabilities to the two decimal places. So, if you just take out of the last bit of that sentence, by programming it with relevant data, he's able to mentally calculate stuff, like people do. Yeah, it's, that's a, I don't particularly like that because it's almost never done well the only character who i've seen them do anything interesting with that is um hulk both hulks bruce banner and amadeus cho um because they're super geniuses at physics they can calculate how to do hulk stuff without hurting people uh amadeus cho theorized that Bruce Banner did this subconsciously when he was the Hulk to ensure ensure minimum fatalities. Yeah, uh, but like I hate when it's applied to villains because it always manifests as like, aha, I knew you were going to do this because I'm so super smart. It's like, no, that's not the kind of smart you are. What you're talking about is like being really socially smart and you probably wouldn't be wearing a green jumpsuit and boots and pontificating at a bunch of children all the time if you were actually socially smart and able to like predict human behaviors that whole like haha i knew you would do that is what reed did up until like the 2000s 
Because it's like, oh, I saw yeah. this and decalculated and blah, 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 blah. Like, he's just doing a villain's thing. But it makes a little more sense with Reed because the people he's interacting with are very predictable supervillains, and he knows how they think because he's also a super genius that wants to rule because the world. Because he's an evil person who's... Like, I, I see, I always, <laughs> I always, like, try to think who's worse, like, Xavier or Mr. Fantastic, and it's always like, eh, like, I don't know which one is worse. He made a Quasimoto, or the Quasi- Yeah, that's some kind of smart, smart yeah, robot. Yeah, so the Quasi-Motivational de- uh, de- Deconstruct Organism. Yeah, one of those backronyms where they wanted to call it Quasimodo. Yeah, I'm going to talk about him in the next book. Things you do. <laughs> you can go to funtimes.online, which will redirect to my website. Um, I believe that you can... Well, let me check the URL right now, because I bought coolmemes.biz, but I don't know if I set up the redirect. I might have only set up an email for... Some, no, I did not set up the redirect for coolmemes.biz. So go to funtimes.online. You can listen to my podcast, Creepy Pods. The Jesse's been on four or six of those. I don't remember. But it's prob- it's almost definitely an even number because I usually record them in pairs. Six. <sighs> six times. Okay. Uh, and that is a show where we do deep literary analysis of internet horror short stories and then uh i also do one where me and two friends every week talk about a random subreddit and also about online and uh one of our uh, one of my co-hosts on there hates when we talk about comic books and the other co-host does not know a lot about very recent comic books so it's nice to come on here and get to pull jesse off topic by talking about recent comic books because i from 2007 until about a year uh 2016 uh, I was picking up comics every week, and at my peak was picking up 15 to 20 issues each week, every week. Um, so it, it's it's been a lot, and I still... I have currently 25 trade paperbacks out from the library of recent collections, so I'm still, like... I'm behind by about six months at all times, but I'm still reading nearly everything that Marvel and DC publish. Yep, and I uh, talking about recent comics makes me sad. So thank you, Jeff. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're I'm- welcome. <laughs> I'm sacrificing your sanity for my deep desire to talk about. Comic oh, I books. have a deep desire to talk about comic books with everyone because I'm not a. Uh, well, see, I'm not a one of those nerds who only talks about the stuff he likes. So I don't talk about comic books a lot. So I don't want to do my plugs. So just listen to creepy critters. And uh, look at my cat on at Marvel Smooch on Instagram. So thank you so much for listening. This has been Alphabet Flight. And may Madcap show you the meaninglessness of life. Bye.